listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next half an hour or so we're going to be talking about all things food and drink. I'm joined by my lovely, lovely fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd, founder of Great British Chefs. How are you, Sue? Yes, yes, I'm very good, I'm very good. Actually though, I have to admit, last week i did feel a little bit sick because i ate too many of those paul a young chocolates well to be fair they were beautiful but you you, you were the one who kept handing me chocolates and saying here what's this here what's this here what's while this. i was doing that i was eating my own chocolates yeah. while you weren't looking yeah. uh, mm. and then I we finished off with a bit of vodka the other week i mean it's been, been oh, a bit of a roller coaster oh, no, it's a bit of a roller coaster can't complain no can't complain Someone's there, got to there do are this worse job. jobs in the world than our job um, our guest today are Colin Westall, Le Cordon Bleu. Hello. Is that good pronunciation? Very I was good. rubbish at French. I think I came last in French in my class. Very good. And uh, Anna Ritchie of Two Chicks. Hi, Anna. Hi. You all right? Yeah. Jolly good. Um, now, Le Cordon Bleu, it's not just a cookery school, is it, Colin? No, it's not. It, it's the best. <laughs> I like it. I like it. My Fighting understanding talk. was it was a network, though. It's not. There's a, there's a whole number of these 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 schools around and about and edu- educational institutions. Yeah, we have um, 35 schools. I think now over 20 different countries across the world, um, and ever increasing, branching out, getting bigger and bigger. And we've been doing our. Um, it's, it's a little while ago now. We did a, a couple of programs on the Great British Chefs research. Yeah, uh, you did ages ago. Um, a lot of that was around what you have in your kitchen, what you buy. Have you got any feeling, Ollie, about what people's cooking skills are like and whether those have got better or worse? I don't really ask that in your research, do you? Well, we've asked. We've certainly asked about people's interest in cookery schools, which mm. over time has certainly been going up. And I think it's clear if you look at the data over the last sort of five years or so that people are trying more ambitious things. And certainly in the 13 million foodies that we talk a lot about in the UK, those are people who are trying to buy new ingredients, try new proteins, and I think are also are changing their habits. I think whenever a consumer group is changing their habits, they're having to learn new skills. And I think particularly with you know, a lot of the stuff we've seen around the plant-based revolution and stuff, this means you are needing to, needing to learn new ways of doing things. So I definitely think, it, you know, amongst the foodie group, you know, they certainly describe themselves as competent, although I always find the most amusing thing is that the more competent you are and the more foodie you are, the greater your anxiety levels because your expectations are higher. Mm. Which when Colin cooks for friends, he wants to make sure it's perfect. You know, I think that's... He you know, has when to, you because he works for Le Cordon Bleu. Well, exactly. But, 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 you know, imagine even, the pressure of that. You know, even, if, you know, if you're, even if you're Marcus Waring and you're cooking for the Queen of Britain, you know, actually, you need to really be on your game. And I think all of us have those moments where we want to perform, and so the higher your expectations, the more you want to perform. But do you have any feeling of what these sort of non-foodie cooking skills are? Because one of the stuff that came out in the research is it's got to be quick, you know, it's got to be mm. easy to assemble, not too much to clear up afterwards, which is understandable when we've got busy lives. Does that give you any feel of what the average person's basic cooking skills are like? I mean, I'm not talking about heating up a can of baked beans. I mean, 
you know, can they fry an egg? Can they make a, a, a bolognese, basic bolognese sauce? Or, do you know, just really basic the, I stuff. think the answer to that, I mean, Colin's had more experience, I'm sure, with what the people I refer to as the culinary illiterates, um, is that actually, you know, that actually they, they've not been taught the skills. And in the end, you know, when you go to school, you know, my son is six, he is learning to read and write. These are key fundamental skills. You know, we don't teach cooking like that. And fundamentally, if you are born into a family where cooking is not at the heart and soul of it, unless you're Nigel Slater, it's unlikely that you will emerge out the other end as someone who appreciates how to cut an onion, how to get the best out of any produce. And Peel I think there is... And make mashed yeah, and I, and I, look, I mean, I think, you know, there's a really interesting debate about how you change that revolution. And, you know, it certainly hasn't been great British chefs focused, but I certainly think some of the bigger food publications, you know, you know, BBC Good Food and others are, are more focused on what I'll call that, that end of the market. Mm. Um, and I think people, you know, things like MasterChef and... And other programs I have done a lot to inspire people, Bake Off in its own way, you know, they're very focused on sugar and stuff, to actually to, to get involved in the kitchen. And um, Colin, are you finding that, that I guess that people who, who come to your network probably already have degree of skills and have an interest, otherwise they wouldn't be there. But do you have any sort of basic understanding of, of, of what the average, you know, family uh, ability levels are? Um that's not necessarily true because people come to the Cordon Bleu to learn. Um, majority of them have some understanding cooking, but just going back to what Ollie said, um, it's it's not about recipes. You come to the Cordon Bleu, it's not to learn recipes, it's not to learn um, how to marry flavours together. We are based on technique, and that goes back exactly what you were saying about the fundamentals of techniques on actually producing a dish and cooking. So can you cut evenly, properly, can you sweat properly? Can you do you understand the the fundamentals in producing that dish rather than just the ingredients and and marrying up flavours? And I think a lot of families are not um, cooking together uh, uh, because lots of families are sort of disparate, and you know the family unit probably isn't what it you know used to be in, in, sure. in terms of the norm. Hmm. Um, but but you know I'm I'm slightly worried that, that quite a lot of people don't seem to understand how to buy food. You know what to buy, how to how to how to see if something's good, and I'm talking about fresh food. Mm -hmm. um, but then actually not understanding how to cook it either. Mm. So, so you know, would somebody necessarily, I don't know, buy some buy cauliflower and actually know how to cook that? Or you know, no, you're I think right. sometimes we take quite a lot for granted when we're talking about things, and we have cookery programs. But we've also do, been taught the wrong things. I mean, I will never forget an interview I did with Pietro Lehman, who was the first Michelin star chef in Europe to win a Michelin star for a vegetarian restaurant. And he talked about when he was taught in the French canon of French cooking, you boiled asparagus for, you know, 10, 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. You know, and the truth of the matter is, is that on one level, you know, you can't blame people because actually some of the ways that we have been cooking things have ruined produce and actually have got us into really bad habits. And I think that some people, I mean, you know, if I go back to sort of the way my grandmother used to cook vegetables, you know, I mean, it sort of fills me with minor horror. I wasn't. I, I guess I wasn't really talking about that, though. I think I was talking about, you know, does somebody actually know how to make scrambled eggs, for example? And we will. We're, we're going to answer Hannah in a minute. But you know, d does somebody know how to? I've, I'm actually really hungry. I've got some. I've, I've got some toast. I'll therefore, you know, I'll I'll crack two eggs. I'll put a tiny little bit of you know milk in there and and some nice butter, loads of salt and pepper, and I've got a really amazing meal there. Do do, do I mean it feels to me like quite a bit of that's lost. Yeah, I I I, th I think people will attempt it. I think they'll have a go at it, but will they actually know on how to do it properly? Yeah. And I think that all boils down to techniques. 
Mm. And is that is that sort of what you're trying to do at Cordon Bleu? What, what, what are your sort of students like? Are they just a whole range of people? <laughs> they are a whole range of people. They, yeah. they can be people who come straight out of university. They can be people who changing career they can be people who just want to come and do and learn a bit about cooking and who may want to go into the industry um, we have all sorts um, the age group is very very varied I think our average age group is around about 28 to 30 um, 32 something like that but it, it's 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 anybody and everybody that wants to learn how to cook so you're um, obviously called Cordon Bleu. So, so um, I, I understand that it's you're the guardian of French culinary technique. We are. Ah, we are. So explain to me that the sort of because when I you know like in the seventies and eighties for me like French cooking was you know the thing. It was always seen as mm. you know the best that you could get in terms of cooking, and, and and obviously a great history. Why why French? Why is the French technique? You know how's that come about, and why was it so renowned? Um, f- f- French technique has always been there, and the, and the French techniques go back for many many years, um, and the French were the fundamentalists on producing these techniques um, more so than anybody else. So so in a, a sort of quality way, trying to try and absolutely get things, you know, nail things, get it right, make Perfect, a yeah. most beautiful sauce, which was shiny and not flowery. And, 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 and so they really honed in on getting those techniques right and then ended up passing those on and being renowned for them. Is that exactly right, yeah. Okay. yeah. And, and, and I think there was a, a, a huge help back in the 70s when we had an influx of French chefs coming over and opening up restaurants here and they had made a name for themselves and, you know, no better than the, the Rue brothers who started it all off and, um, and it just went from strength to strength and people wanted to work for them to learn this. So, so what, is a, what is a, you know, a classic French technique? What, what, what things would you take? A, a classical French technique. Um, how long have you got? I could sit here and bore you all afternoon That's with fun. them. Um, but our students... <laughs> got 30 minutes. <laughs> our students, f- from day one, they learn knife skills. Okay. So they learn how to measure the perfect julienne from a carrot and a potato. Um, they learn how to do something called a brunoise, which is a perfect dice of carrot or any other vegetable so from that we then progress and we turn we, we we go on to sauce making so we go on to the different sort of styles of roux so we go and there are three stage roux, roux from one two and three and depends on the color and the length of cooking so would time would you just explain what a roux is for anybody who doesn't know yeah of course yeah a roux is a, a mixture of butter and flour and it's a thickening it's an agent for thickening um so once they've learned that then we go on to stocks and sauces and butchery techniques, fish filleting techniques, and these are all fundamentals, like I say. Ollie, are you... How am I... I mean, well, you're, you're a bit of a chef at home. No, but I'm, I'm would you self-taught. Say, would you... I'm self-taught. Yeah, so, I mean, I've here. never... Look, I've done, I've done cooking courses all over the world, you know, in India, Sri Lanka, Indonesia, I mean, Japan, you name it. But but I've never actually... And it's always one of those sort of jokes I've sort of... I've always, I'm always sort of very jealous that people have gone to Ballymaloo, for example, mm. and done the sort of, you know, three months. weeks. You know, like, <laughs> hey, I mean, like, how indulgent is that? Fantastic. Um, I mean, a great, I mean, amazing mm-hmm. thing to do. Um, but I'm I'm self-taught, so I'm sure, you know, my technique is, is you know, not, you know, it's home techniques. I mean, I'm not trained. And I think, you know, look, the, you know, if you, if you, the better you are at those, the better you are at ultimately preparing stuff. And, you know, there is, there are set techniques that are really, you know, important. Mm. I suppose my my bone with French cooking is, I suppose, and this is, I, I think it's 
I'm not excited by French cooking. And, I, and I, I, you know, when I think about French cuisine, you know, and I think about the restaurants in, in Britain, I think even about going to Paris, I'm not excited by a trip to Paris to, you know, go on a culinary adventure. Actually, one of our mm-hmm. guys went out with, I forget who they were there with, and went on a journey to the underworld of Paris and had an amazing time recently. Um, but it's not a cuisine for me that is exciting. And I think it's one of those ones that's been around. You know, we, we know it well in Britain, as you say, people like the Rue Brothers and others are, you know, the forefathers of the French movement. But, you know, and I heard you talk about Bruno Lube earlier, but, you know, people like Bruno mm. were influenced as much by France as they were for Australia and actually by I would right. say, breaking the canon apart in some ways. And I think that for me is often what I've struggled with on French food is I don't, I don't mm. think it's innovating. Mm. And Bruno, Bruno Lube actually broke the mould with this plant-based Absolutely. cooking that he'd done, you know, just, just yeah. here in London and yeah. he opened up, you know, the grain store Absolutely. whereby he, he took his meat and fish and said, right, you're only going to get three ounces or, yeah. you know, 75 grams of protein. Everything else is going to be vegetable or plant-based on uh, on the plate. So, um, yeah, no, absolutely. But I think, it's, I, think, I think trends are just moving on and when we're just getting closer and closer to less protein and more vegetables. Mm. So, so do you think that, that, that French cooking's at a slight disadvantage because, because it's naturally um, not seen like that and it's seen as classical, which is, which is great, but, but it's not seen as aggressive or, or do you think that's depends, unfair? It depends what we call French cooking because mm. I, th- I, I think even though we're, we're, even though we're labelling it as French cooking... I think that it's evolving and changing all the time. So just because that we're not monteing a sauce with six ounces of butter, it can still be classed as French cooking, but we're, we're, we're stripping it back, stripping mm. it back. And I know this is unfair, but I suppose because France is held up as the sort of the icon of food, you know, it's funny, I was in, I was in sort of Carcassonne. I would say was. Was, Sorry. no, was, was. Not is. But, but, but the, you know, I, went, I was in Carcassonne. Every place I went, the set menu was the same. Mm-hmm. And I think there is, you know... I don't think it's been as innovative as a lot of the other cuisines. I, what I think is really interesting about French cuisine is I think if you have a grounding in it, it you know, and this is going to be a weird analogy, but you know, if you know how to you know, play a musical instrument, you can embrace jazz. If you know how to dance, you can embrace modern dance. You know, there, it, it's a tradition that allows you to then play. But I'm not. I'm interested in what how what how it allows you to play rather than what you can do within it. If that makes mm, sense, I understand that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, which is what you're talking about. You're talking about technique, but obviously Absolutely. you do broader stuff as well. Yeah, mm. no, no, no. Te- techniques fundamental, um, and then it goes on from there. But I, 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 I think that once we teach our students and people who come to our to to our cookery school, the Cordon Bleu, I think once they leave there and they have the techniques and the fundamentals, I think that they outshine and they start off in the industry and they move up the ladder very, very quickly because they have that knowledge. Yeah, And they and can experiment from there. And they can. it's all yeah. based on that technique. And it was funny, I was talking to Thomasina Myers, the founder of Oaxaca the other day, and she was, in, um, she was in one of her back restaurants and she was talking to one of the people there and she was like, no, no, what are you, what are you doing? You're just burning that onion, not browning, you know, not sautéing it and, you know, bringing the colour and flavour into it. And actually, you know, there are people who even end up in the industry and you'll be much closer to this than I am, who actually lack those techniques. Techniques, yeah. And I think it's, you know, there is a fundamental role for this kind of stuff. Mm. Now, you very kindly bought something with you. Is this something you've whipped up yourself, Colin? Um, whip, whipped up, yes. Um, okay. the, these are sort of based on... Uh, Myself, no. It's <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> somebody else to know it. Unfortunately, I don't have a, little, a ferry of commies running around no. in, in my kitchen any longer. Um, no, these are whipped up by myself. Um, based on our sort of our, our new course, which is starting and which we're going to go live next year, and it's our plant-based course, and we're calling it plant-based. We're not calling it the V's. 
Mm. We're not doing that. It's our plant-based course. Um, and do you know that's these... completely right? Because the fact is, the vegan thing is great, and people like to be, you know, more vegan every now and then, but the to- total number of pure vegans is very small. Mm. Very, very small. Um, it doesn't mean that we're, we are steering clear of protein and okay. and lots and lots of butter, which is totally French cookery school, yep. but this is breaking the mould. This is something completely different. Um, but these are two little dishes, I say, which I just knocked out. Um, we've got, a, we've got a, a, a white bean hummus with some little artichokes that have been dressed in um, a wild garlic pesto with hazelnuts. And on top is... Anna, that sounds nice to you. It does. Yeah, you've come to the right programme, haven't you? <laughs> the best thing about it is, is on top are these little tender pea shoots, which have been I love pea shoots. Gr- grown at the school in our cultivator. So we do have a garden, but these are grown in our cultivator. And the other one is, um, this is a red chicory, which I hate saying, I hate using terminology with it, but this is sort of deconstructed and reconstructed, as it were, because it, the leaves are taken off. I put a little stuffing of a lovely sweet pear in the centre, made a little dressing, with elderflower vinegar, and then it's sitting on a little granola um, of seeds, which is just exactly sort of what we'll be doing. And if you're teaching um, somebody at the school, because I think we may be homing in on French cooking and Mm. and maybe we shouldn't. It's about techniques. They happen to be in the French tradition. But the techniques about how you make that consistency right, how you get the mouthfeel right, how you make it look right, how the colour's right, how you combine ingredients, and then the skills of, you know, cooking at right temperature you know, or knife skills or whatever it might be. Mm. But that's what you're training people to do. Absolutely. But but more about the, on, on this course predominantly is it's building up and giving our students a portfolio of knowledge mm. on, on how to use ingredients and understanding ingredients. How many people know that the inside of a carrot is not the best part of the carrot, it's the sweetest around the outside. Mm. All those chefs that make those lovely turned vegetables, they're turning off that beautiful sweetness on the outside the of the carrot. Yeah. And then that goes maybe to staff or... Well, Give it to the customer. Well, they, they care about their staff. Mm. We should be encouraging this. <laughs> There's nothing wrong Holly, with that. Holly, and, and you would say that, that, that restaurants are ill-served with, with this type of... I mean, that that's, that'd be great on a menu, these two things. I, I, I and, think and they're, it, they're inventive I think that's, and I think interesting. All restaurants are behind on the plant-based thing. I think that, you know, whenever you walk into a restaurant, the reality is there still is not enough no. that makes me get really excited. Actually, I went, to, I went to Kiln the other day, which I think is just a fabulous Thai restaurant in Soho. And I was feeling controversial, so and I was having lunch by myself, nip but nip in between two meetings. Isn't he, the, quite, he quite often has lunch on his I own. do, I do. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to have lunch with me. Actually, actually, I really like it. You go in, you can choose whatever you like. You've got meetings either side. If you're clever, you plan your meetings around where there are good lunch spots. And you walk into Kiln at 12 o'clock, there's no one in there. It's just before the rush. And I had a mushroom salad and a radish salad. Both were spicy as hell. But phenomenal. Yeah. I did order one chicken skewer on the side just to make sure I had one little piece of meat. But, I mean, they were two really imaginative vegetarian dishes. And I think... But but there wasn't that much on the menu that was vegetarian. I, I was being controversial by deliberately focusing on that. Mm-hmm. What made them good? What made the two dishes good? There was a depth of flavour in them. There yeah, was... Okay. They were intra- They were For me, they were... You know, I mean, I often will pan fry some mushrooms at home. I think chanterelles and stuff like that. You know, I think mushrooms are one of the great joys of life. Uh... But often they're done quite simply, and I'd say often in quite a sort of French classic way. And I think actually I'm always excited by. I had an amazing mushroom dish the other day at um, uh, name restaurant's going to escape me, um, crazy Japanese restaurant, uh, and it was just amazing. It was full of amazing uh, soys and, and and flavored oils, and it was just 
phenomenal Japanese mm. style. But actually, I think mushrooms were often that done that interesting. It was just a great mushroom dish, and the radish was beautifully crisp and, and flavorful. Qual- quality and of ingredients. Quality, quality but also really interesting layering and flavoring as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, while you've been wittering on, yeah, well, you, well, I was, I was trying to give you space to get mm. all the food out of your mouth. <laughs> okay, so if I if I just take this, so we've got that. some radicchio there, with some hair in the middle, and then you've got this crunchy, nutty, seedy. You've called it granola mm. because it's got that sort of texture. That's right. Those combinations are great. So radicchio is always like slightly bitter. You've got some lovely, lovely pears in there, and then we've got the crunchiness. And I guess what you're saying in this school is 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 Trying to teach people how to understand to construct those sorts of things, not cook that dish. That's not the point. But Certainly actually not. understand how you, you, you know, you can you, you, you can make something and then put that on a menu. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Try that, Ollie. Um, as as a chef, you should, you know, I, I like to think that I can be pretty competent in cooking Indian cuisine because I understand ingredients. Mm. I might not no traditional Indian cuisine, but I could certainly make a very good Indian food because I understand quali- uh, uh, building up flavours and balancing flavours. Uh, and if you understand flavours, you can mix and match mm. and put ingredients together. It's really important. That's a good combination, isn't it, Ollie? It's lovely. It's understanding how to construct that. It's funny also, I think, how often... This is not helping vegans at all, but how often <laughs> dishes like this can taste really meaty. Mm. There's a flavour in that that is just like, it tastes like, you know, almost like the great stuffing within the middle of a of a turkey on Christmas Day. I mean, it's a really... It could really, easily be a nut-based sort of stuffing, couldn't it, from inside of a bird, yeah. yeah. And then this one, um, it's like a hummus. That is definitely white bean. Have mm. you tasted that, Anna? Yeah, it's good. You have tahini in it. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's mm. tahini in it. And then the artichokes are cooked. Again, it's all about technique. The artichokes are cooked in a water bath. Well... Okay, they're cooked in a water bath, but, you know, these are techniques which we have to show our students. It's why they come. Now, whether they choose to cook them in a water bath right, or Sue not. Sue has a water bath. I have a water bath. You're in safe company. Okay. No. Yeah, you're okay. I'm safe. He made me buy one. Um, <laughs> and, and, and then the, the vinaigrette that comes out of that, you cook it with a little bit of lemon juice, lemon zest and, and some thyme, and then you pour that out and then you help you emulsify and you blend your tahini paste into your beans. So it's, it's adding flavour all the time. Mm. I, 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 love, I love really in dips that you make from scratch at home. Mm. We did a lot of work with Vitamix for a while, and you know, actually, you know, the joy of actually having one of those blenders that just can just blitz through anything. Uh, you know, the smoothness you can get, and the texture, and the flavour, and they aerate the ingredient, yeah. which makes it lovely. You, you can get a white bean puree, which isn't heavy and really mm. because it aerates it. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful machine. Fantastic. Mm. Do you like that one? Mm-hmm. It's good, isn't it? So some citrus. There is, yeah, 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 very, very, very it's got good. A very good palate, Anna. Isn't it? She certainly has. She's yeah, there's, 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 there's orange. There's orange. Yes. You, you should have been here the other week. We were tasting chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> I did terribly. You didn't do that well, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. But I, but, yeah, it's it's funny with some things that if you look at them and you don't know what the hell they are, you're like, well, mm. Mm. Yeah. that's good. So, um, what other things are your sort of students coming there for? Are you seeing some actual trends and uh, that people are asking for in terms of tuition? Um. Well, this is this is one of them, yep. and th- and this is the like I say the new plant based course which goes on um, uh, goes live next year in January. And so, if you want to come on that course, so you're how many? What's this is not three months in the middle of Ireland, you know you're in the, you know you, this is in London. Yep. How yep. many how many sessions and? Okay, it's um it, it's a diploma course. Right. So at the end of it, you get a diploma. It's two hundred and sixty hours over three months, um and it's based on 
demonstrations and practicals. So the students will go in and they'll sit down for two and a half to three hours and watch a demonstration. And then they'll go into the classroom and they'll replicate the dishes. So it's not doing it. Do, they, do you still cook yourself there? Do I still cook? Do you cook, yeah. Yes, Are I you do. one of the Electra things? I am. So, Lect- so, I'm um, one of those things. Well, I don't know what yes. you're from, but, but I mean, so, yeah, you did an apprenticeship with the Rue brothers and, and also you were uh, working with um, Roly Lee, who we quite like, don't we? So you just stuffed yourself and you can't say anything now, can you? <laughs> um, so, so, you know, you've, you've actually seen some amazing um, uh, people at work, haven't you? And, 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 I've, I've been, and I've, looked at the sort of techniques. I, I've looked at techniques. I've been very, very lucky to work with people who taught me about ingredients. And that's why I say how important it is to buy quality ingredients. All the people that I work with understand the importance of buying good quality ingredients and serving it very, very simply and letting the ingredient do the talking. So, Absolutely. yeah, very fortunate. Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you one question, though, Colin? Do you put your eggs in the fridge or not? No, I don't. Hmm. Which leads me to Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi. Um, I, uh, I, he has I, his own I, hands in the garden. I, Thanks, they, Ollie. They, they I, um, got me out of that. I, yeah, I love eggs, um, and, and they're sort of the highest quality protein available. And it's all natural, obviously, and a good source of vitamin D. Are you supposed to put eggs in the fridge? No. Um, I th- it's, there's something about changing the temperature, right. which you shouldn't do. Okay. So you shouldn't put them in the fridge and then keep kind of storing them somewhere ambient. You should right. decide where you're keeping them. And then stick with it. Yeah. Um, so it's okay. consistency is what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, tell me about what you do. So so you, you, you know, you've got a company, Two Chicks. Yeah. Which is pretty niche. I mean, it's a pretty niche thing. I'm very familiar with your brand because it is everywhere, actually. I've seen it uh, quite a lot. I mean, hang on, egg, what was the niche bit? The two chicks or the, the eggs bit? Or the, <laughs> well, no, the, what the, so, Anna, just tell us the little story because okay. uh, I know you're a co-founder, there's two of you. And just explain, um, you know, when you were, I think you were in America, weren't you? Yeah. And then realised uh, what was happening and you thought, nobody's doing this. Yeah, so I was living out um, in LA for three months years ago. And um, I came back to the UK and I'd had no, you know, I never wanted to start a business. I was working as a journalist. And then I just started wanting to have egg whites in the morning because the yolk has all the fat and cholesterol. So if you just cook with the white, there's none. But I just couldn't be bothered to separate the yolks. And that was a big thing in America at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, they had about 10 brands. I kept buying it when I was out there. Mm. Then I started kind of Googling it and a load of people were looking for it and saying, why don't we have egg beaters here? And I went from there and I found the egg separating plants in the UK and I visited one. So, so basically, that is um, just cooking with the egg white. So, so you, you'll, yeah. you'll you'll make a, an egg dish or whatever just because it's healthier, or, or, or yeah. you know, it's part part of a sort of diet uh, thing. You can use it how you would a whole egg, right? But just in place of really. Mm. And there was nowhere just to buy that as a convenient. No, thing at no. All. So, and you just thought, well, I, better I just knew do. people wanted it. I could see that lots of people were looking for it. Hmm. And so, and do they use them? Uh, is this a home thing, or do people use it in 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 sort of restaurants? Or it's a home thing. So we're selling into retail onto mm. the retail market. So we've mm. got all the supermarket chains mm. in the UK. So um, that's our market. So from a journalist, you're just looking at egg whites, and then you're going, "Well, I think I'll set up a business." That's massive learning curve going on there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Would you do it again? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> probably not. But only because it, you know, it's a it's a kind of big job. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it was interesting, and it, it's kind of like a horse that runs away with you. you. Don't plan it. I just thought, oh, that's an idea, and then I followed it. And my business partner and myself were friends, and 
She had an economics degree, I had an English degree, and then we just got together and got the FT business plan writing book. So <laughs> it was, and we just kind of started, but everyone was said, you know, you've got no experience, business or food, like, don't do it. But you did. We did. But you did. <laughs> so, so um, as, as you say, you came across numerous magazine articles that recommended eating skinny egg white. Uh, particularly omelettes and things yeah. like that, um, and and quite a lot of celebrities, sports stars, you know, advocating that. Um, but you've now gone on and you've you've sort of expanded your line, presumably. Yeah. Um, so we actually for us, we've had a couple of omelette mixes over the years, and we um, also there was a time where we had a liquid whole egg. That was a request. <laughs> you wouldn't think there was a market for it, but we were actually the retailers requested that we did that. Um, we have an organic egg white that's about to come out. And then we also, we have a pancake mix that we bring out over pancake day because there was no kind of fresh, ready-to-pour mix that, you know, they're just all in powders. So yeah. that comes out. Um, mm. Yeah, we had it out recently over Shrove Tuesday. And we have our snacking product. Snacking product. Yeah. Okay, tell me about that. A snacking product made out of eggs. They're made out of egg whites, so they're called chirps. And we... <laughs> <laughs> okay. And we thought that um, if you want to kind of snack a crisp style snack, there was nothing that had a protein content. You'd have to kind of get a protein bar or, you know, you couldn't just have that crisp kind of carbs salty really, snack. isn't it? Yeah, just carbs really for that snack sort of thing, but nothing protein. So it's kind of low. So this one's a low carb. It's got 10 grams of protein in a bag. It's low fat. Um, mm. So that that's why we created those. Mm. Very interesting. Now, um, uh, in terms of eggs... You would say, would you say this, Ollie? That that you've got to know how to cook an egg. If you know, that, isn't that one of the isn't that one of the tests of a chef? If you can if you can cook an egg properly. Well, I always remember going to a, a Jules Robuchon restaurant in Paris many 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 years ago, and he served a sous vide egg. A sous vide egg. Yeah, and it was in a martini glass, and it was it was just spiritual. It was absolutely spiritual. <laughs> and I remember trying. This must have been two thousand and five. And I was just like, what on earth is that? It was like nothing I've ever eaten before. And I think actually, it was a great friend of mine who used to write food reviews for, the, for Bloomberg. And I just see, you know, we, he, he was the person who first said to me, if you want to test a chef, order the eggs on the menu. And actually, I think there's a truth in that because if you can do something that's truly imaginative with an egg, you, you know, you really know what you're doing. And actually, if you take the eggs and some of the ramens and things you get, I mean, they're amazing. Mm. And, and again, scrambled egg. Is, is is a universe like great scrambled egg is phenomenal mm. and that kind of rubbish you occasionally get in you know it's been sitting there on in it feels like slices of it I almost eat it. I, oh, no, I, I, can't eat it. I can't eat it i can't eat it i hate that as well so Can yeah. you just tell me what was in that uh, glass then was it like a um, poached egg or something it, it was a poached egg where the, you, the yolk broke open and then there was a sort of sauce around it. i think it's a dish that he's done all over the world that it was just one of his it was it was just unctuous and I mean, it was just so, I can still picture it. And actually, to be fair, a friend of the, the friend I was with in Paris it was just before my brother's wedding and he'd ordered it and he refused to give me any. He just ordered another one. <laughs> He's like, no, you're not having it. I'm getting you another one because I can't give you any of this. It's so good. Fair enough. And uh, he was right. Um, and what do, you, um, what do you teach in the Cordon Bleu from the, from the egg sort of perspective? Uh, the egg perspective, we teach um, at a very early stage, which... which Teach the students again technique based on how to poach an egg, uh, the proper way in water and vinegar. Uh, all about quality of eggs, making yeah. sure they're really, really fresh. Um, so, so how how should you cook a poached egg? How should you cook a poached yeah, egg? Perfectly. Lots and lots of water. At least double the height of the egg. Your right. water should be. You should have a dash of white wine vinegar. 
And then some chefs swell the water mm. and make that little whirlpool, that little vortex in the centre, and you drop it into the centre and you cook it for three minutes. Three minutes, exactly. And you have the boiling. Beautiful. It's a boiling, though. It's a simmer. Simmer. It's a simmer. So that the oh, bubbles simmer. come up from the bottom of the pan and they lift the whites around the yolk to encase the, the yolk. So you have the beautiful teardrop poached egg. And can you do that? beforehand and then put it in the fridge and then just drop it in some hot... So how, so how does a chef do that then? So say I've got... I'm sorry to ask this. But say I've got like eight people for dinner, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd love to do poached egg, but you can't do that. when So how would you pre-prepare that? How would you do that? Poach them all in the morning, take them out of the water would when they're cooked. you do three minutes or not? Yeah, after the three minutes and you drop them into ice-cold water and ice-cold water stops the cooking. Sure. Leave them in the ice-cold water in your fridge, otherwise your fridge will smell of eggs. So mm. it's that in keeping them into cold water keep them fresh and stop your fridge from smelling. Your guests arrive, you sit them down, you give them a drink, you give them another drink because <laughs> you haven't got to spend time in the kitchen. You've got, <laughs> yeah. a, you've got a pan of lightly simmered water and then you just take your eggs out of the cold water, you drop them into the hot water and you give them about 90 seconds just so they come back so they're nice and hot. And they'll still be runny. And they'll still be runny. 90 seconds, that you won't overcook them? No, it takes that to get it hot around the outside and warm in the centre. But the thing is, or you just sous vide them. You can't sous vide. It's all about technique, Ollie. That's cheating. Yeah, no, but 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 I think that if you can do it right, if you if you learn how to do it right first, and then you can move on to the sous viding. Okay. We, we need to teach you how to do it right okay. first time. And how do you how do you make the perfect scrambled egg then? The perfect scrambled egg, lots yeah. and lots of butter, ah. lots of butter in the pan. <laughs> And you put your eggs in. You stir them and over gentle heat. Yeah. So okay. you have small little lumps of egg rather than these mm. big as you were talking about these big oh. sort of islands of overcooked rubbery egg awful um, and, and, and then um, the, the isn't i think it's the rue brothers book there is who is it is the rue brothers who did an entire book dedicated to eggs isn't it yeah it's and the entire book is eggs mm. is it yeah oh, wow. okay. and um i read his scrambled egg recipe because i was intrigued by you know what was he going to say on, on the most basic of, of things and i think he adds butter in again once it's cooked oh. You, is it butter or, or is it cream? Or is it cream, cream. It's cream. It's, cream. it's, it's something cream. that's just kind of like, you aren't really going to do that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the double cream is there for unctuous and, and velvetness, but also is, is what it does is, is it stops the eggs from cooking so they don't overcook, so they don't mm. go oh, rubbery. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the, the, the cold temperature, I think, I get, well. It really can... When I go into a really nice restaurant or hotel or whatever it is, and you say, can I have scrambled eggs? And they just overcook it. Oh, it just makes me so angry. makes me cross as well. And... and at, Anna, finally, can you tell me the best way to, to, to cook? Well, what is the best dish with egg whites? What would you what would you recommend? I would do an omelette. An, an egg white omelette, probably with red onions, sun-dried tomatoes, artichokes, <gasps> maybe smoked salmon. Wow. And that would be really sort of great, healthy, if you're, if you're trying to watch your weight yeah. or, or do stuff. If you think of each yolk has seven grams of fat, if you just cook with the white. Or sometimes I'd even put one egg, but bulk it up. You can yeah, do yeah. that with egg mm. white. Um, That's quite a good idea, actually. Do you? This sounds ridiculous, but I mean, one has to ask this because you could end up there. Do you imagine ever launching an egg? Um, no, well, no, like, no. It's a good question. As in, like you start, you, you know, you start at the point where it's like the reverse engineer of, of innovation. You start at only egg whites in a carton. Yeah. You're now telling me you've gone to fully mixed eggs in a carton. The logical next step is the egg. It's back to the beginning. And you know, because you, yeah. you built a brand. What's interesting is you guys have built. Mm-hmm. You know, the the egg space is one of the least branded spaces yeah, actually right. in it's the actually, whole. Yeah. You know, yeah, when we look at happen. the research we have on percentage of people who buy brands in different areas, people Nobody's don't buy an... brands and eggs. I mean, there aren't that many of them. Mm. Are you gonna 
you want to take that challenge on? Or, or? That's a really um, interesting one. Not not in the kind of, it's not something that we're kind of doing in the next month or so. But yeah, it's definitely something we would look at, a two jokes mm. egg. It'd be quite cool to brand it and do it. Yeah, Because cool. there's happy cool. eggs and there's clouds yeah. caught and there's, you know. There's not many though, is there? No, but no. I have to No, say. and they're all owned by the same company. Oh, please tell me that. I love Clarence eggs. Clarence thingy. Cool eggs. I do you know there was, a, there was a food scandal the other day. I don't know if you read this. Oh, whereby people are making the egg yolks more yellow by feeding the, the, the chickens paprika. Yeah. So I mean, look, at least well, it's paprika. I mean, I'm okay, you know. If, it's okay. I'm okay had it, with had that. it been red food diet, I'd be a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure how the chickens feel about the paprika. But, no, you know. no, absolutely not. So, um, Colin, if anybody wants is interested in Le Cordon Bleu and and was interested in um, either just learning some stuff for themselves or actually want to get into the into the industry, how do they how do they find out about all the different courses? Uh, they can go on our website. They can call the school and talk to the. Um, uh, uh, the people there who will give them all the information. It is on the website. Um, but people who come to the Cordon Bleu, they don't have to come and do these um, three-month courses. They don't have to take three months out of their life or mm. pack up and come and do the nine-month course. We offer loads of one-day courses um, where they can come and do a Saturday morning with their partner, with their friend or whatever, or have a, yep. you know give somebody a birthday gift. Um, so, so you can come on a Saturday morning, do all sorts of filleting fish, meat, learning how to make macarons, all these sorts of bits and pieces. Um, horses for courses. Horses for courses. <laughs> you don't do horse. Not well, yet. I don't know, that's French, isn't it? Well, not it's French. Not, it's not, French. Not, we're not discussing it yet. No, we're not discussing horse. We're not in the UK. Right. So um, we will obviously <laughs> put a link um, from, from uh, the Food Talk website, um, and that's Le Cordon Bleu. Um, spelt as you would imagine the French way if you were good at French if you are good at French and uh, Anna uh, two chicks uh, again you can get that most places now can't you you can you can get it in every supermarket chain in the UK and then we have um, after the UK our next where we sell the most is Holland um, Dubai France Hong Kong there you go wow. so yeah another, nice another British food business expanding internationally mm. Very good. We won't mention the Brexit word, obviously. Um, it's not happening. No. <laughs> okay. I'm just not going to say anything at all. So um, thank you to our guests today, Colin Westall of Le Cordon Bleu and Anna Ritchie of Two Chicks. You've been listening to the Food Talk Show, which is syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield. Stop sniggering. We can't right. mention I, I it. We can't mention it because it drives me nuts. Um, yeah, as well as being available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. I presume it'll still be available if we're not in the Shh, EU, don't, don't. will it? Um, what, thank- phones? <laughs> don't know, anything, <laughs> no, I mean, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you to Ollie Lloyd, founder of Great British Chef. Thank You're you, welcome. Ollie. Um, I'm thinking of going, do, doing a bit of a cookery course at some point. Are you? Yeah, I am. I, I fancy, I, I think I might need to get better at training myself. Because I'm self to talk like you, really, and I think I'd probably want to know more. I, th- yeah. I think it's a great thing to do. Mm. I think it's a really fun thing to do, particularly yeah. if you love food. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something groundbreaking in the food sector, please do get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. And if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, go to foodtalk.co.uk. Do have a good week. Bye. <laughs>